2: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
4: This is the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
3: Okay, it's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. That's BetMGM and BetMGM Sports has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Then stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your status issued ID. You're ready to go here in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love. Bet MGM, state-of-the-art technology, fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Got to be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. Four, South Point over my shoulder here. Just went to Golden State, four and a half. Got a total, mm. Michael. Open 215 two and a half. Sitting 215 and a half at most shops. And a native... Las Vegas E I believe. I don't know how you say that. JVT, Jonathan Bontobel, hardwood handicappers, born and raised here. And uh, he's the best when it comes to basketball anywhere. Let's bring JVT in. We always say it. We can't overreact to one game, but low key, everybody's like Boston's unbelievable. They're gonna, <laughs> I think Will just said they're looking at a sweep. Are we, where, where are you given now two days to kind of react to game one on the Celtics?
5: First off, Patrick, uh, raised, not born. Actually, a uh, born in uh, Santa Ana, California. I did not know uh, this. Yes, yes, and lived in Texas for like a year when I was like two. Uh, My dad uh, traveled a lot. Is there anybody?
3: Is has anybody literally ever been born and raised here, or is it all just (laughs) people coming from all over the country?
5: I think Michael
6: Gond was born there, wasn't he? Isn't Michael Gond a Las Vegas native?
5: I think he is, and I'll share a little bit of information that I love to share because you know why not? Uh, the Von Tobels were actually one of the first 100 families to settle Las Vegas way back when. So the what? Von Tobels go deep. Yeah, it's just uh, you know uh, when I was born, my dad just happened to live in California for a job at the time. So uh, the Vegas ties are very deep, maybe deeper than some of you even I know. I did um, not.
3: I did not know it. the Von Tobels straight from. It sounds very Dutch, and they just ended up in Las Vegas. Is that what happened?
5: Oh yeah. Uh, I can give you the whole backstory if you like, or uh, we could talk. Uh (laughs) Uh,
3: We're having a little fun. We're having a little fun, but the look before the series started, you were all over Boston to be fair. I'm just curious if anything changed coming out of game one for you.
5: Not really. I I mean, so when you look at what happened in game one, guys, the takeaway, I think a lot of people are focusing on the shooting for Boston. And I wrote about it today uh, up on the website right now on vson.com where I, I think You can look at that and go, you know what, Boston's not going to shoot like that again. And I think that is a perfectly, like, that's a perfectly logical statement to make. But I think it also ignores the complete other side of the equation, which is what is stopping from Boston from defending like that again, Patrick, because this is the best defensive team in the NBA. They have been since the end of December. This is a team that has a switchable nature to them. Uh, If you look at what happened in game one, guys, uh, they went to a one big lineup. They went, so they went a lot more switchable. They went pretty small against uh, Golden State as the game progressed. In 16 minutes, with one big on the floor, they were plus 31. And a lot of that had to do with the way that they can play defensively. So for me, Patrick, like my takeaway is kind of just what I thought coming in. Like, are they just, are they going to score 40 in a quarter? No. Are they going to hit nine three-pointers again in a quarter, which is a finals record, a tied for a finals record? No, absolutely not. But are they capable of doing what they did in that fourth quarter in terms of holding Golden State scoreless for over four, four or five minutes of gameplay? Yes. Are, are they capable of going into a second quarter, holding Steph Curry scoreless and forcing seven turnovers over the span of those 12 minutes? Yes. And so I think that's my takeaway. Boston is exactly who we thought they were, to use a football phrase. Uh, They're exactly who we thought they were defensively, and they used that. And I don't think they're getting enough credit for what they did defensively in that game.
6: You know, I, I think it's so well said, JVT, because it's like a football game. When you can play good defense and you get stops, you never lose or give the opponent control of the game. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where Boston has been all since the end of December. As you said, they've been able to 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 sustain themselves because they're not going to shoot as well. But their defense keeps them in the game. And that's why defense is so damn important in any sport, because it allows you to control the game when you're not playing your best
5: and Michael it's such it's an underappreciated aspect of the game because it's hard to quantify right like that's when we look at a lot of these games we get wrapped up in offense because it's the easiest thing to put a finger on we can see nine three-pointers made we can see 40 points in a quarter we can see 51% shooting from three and so it's easy to really focus on that but what you don't really see is like Harleval Valgaris tweeted this out after the game in quarters one through three they switched 18% of their pick and rolls in quarter four they switched 29% of those pick and rolls you saw it with your eyes so in the first few quarters they were dropping off of Steph Curry for for some reason in pick-and-roll coverage. There were multiple three-point shots that Curry made, but there's a miscommunication between the two that guys are involved in the play. Both would go with the role man or the, the screener, and Curry would be wide open from three. There's a clip of Marcus Smart talking about, this isn't Miami. Stop dropping. And sure enough, what happens as this game progresses, Robert Williams, Al Horford, they're coming up on those pick-and-rolls now. They're showing a little bit more on Steph Curry. He's not getting as clean a look as he did in that first quarter, and that's why his scoring completely fell off as the game went along. And those are the things, Michael, Like when you're watching them play Boston, those things those little tweaks that they make, what they want to do with their lineups, those make the differences in games like this. It's why they're in the NBA finals to begin with. They are such a good and sound defensive team. And it's why it played out the way it did in that first game and why I have an abundance of confidence in them to go on and not only in this game, but in this series, however many it lasts to, to win this series against Golden State.
3: And we'll get JVT. JVT's going to hang out. Of course, Hardwood handicapper's the edge here on v He's going to hang out a couple segments. Uh, totally understand and well played with the defense. But check this out. Horford, six of eight. Smart, four of seven. Derek mm-hmm. White, five of eight. Pritchard, two of three from three. That, those numbers are almost mind-boggling. And that's what Draymond said after the game. Draymond was a little condescending. I'm sure you saw JVT where yeah. he's like, oh, okay, those guys are going to shoot like this again. And he was kind of saying, we're good in game two. What's your take
5: on Draymond? Uh, I'll pull up the numbers uh, for the rebuttal there because um, <laughs> the, here, because here, here's the thing, right? And again, kind of going back to like it's unsustainable for them to shoot that way from three point range. How about these numbers for you guys? 23.7. What that is is the amount of wide open attempts per game. The golden state warriors are giving up from three since the beginning of that Dallas Maverick series. That's a defender six feet or farther away from the shooter at that time. That's over the last six games in that fourth quarter alone. By the NBA tracking data, the Celtics had six wide-open three-point attempts. They hit four of them. And in that game themselves, they generated 23 wide-open three-point attempts. So you can talk about how it's unsustainable from three. And sure, to a certain extent it is. But watch those shots. Al Horford is going to hit a massive amount of wide-open threes when there's no hand in his face, when there's no defender within 10 feet of him. And so we can talk about the unsustainable nature of those threes going down, but to me it's about Golden State. Okay, then what are you doing to adjust? Because for six games now in this postseason, you have given up over nearly a quarter of their three-point attempts to your opponents have been wide-open from three. That's an adjustment that you have to make because while Boston isn't like this world-beater as a shooting team, Patrick— They're good enough to hit wide open attempts from deep, which they got in abundance in that game and in that fourth quarter. So that would be my rebuttal. It's not like there were a couple of them that went down with the hand in the face, but go back and rewatch that fourth quarter and the numbers tell you so. It was not just a whole bunch of hotly contested three point shots that just happened to go down. It was a result of dribble penetration, kicking it out to open shooters, and getting the Warriors in rotation. And that's why those three point shots went down. And, Michael,
3: just quickly to follow up in, in this postseason, Boston has outscored their opponent by 11 points per game from three. That's second best behind the Mavs. So, to JVT's point, this is not uh, hyperbolic that they're going to be hitting threes. They've been doing it the whole postseason. Go ahead, Michael.
6: You, you, you know, I, I think what, what. What Odoku did is really kind of smart, and you addressed it too, JVT, because when you look at Golden State's offense, they rank 25th in shooting frequency at the rim. They rank 25th in mid-shoots. Long shoots, they're 22nd. Where they rank high is corner threes, they're 10th in the league. Non-corner threes, they're number two in the league. And all threes, they're number two. And what Boston's doing by going small is they know they're not going to the rim, so why should we keep two big guys on the
5: floor? Yep, and, and, and Michael, it's it's all the other stuff too, right? Golden State, as we know, they they what their offense is, it's dribble handoffs, it is off-ball screens, it is cuts to the basket. When you're Boston, and like in this game today, I, I would stress that you watch. Don't watch the ball. Watch what is happening off the ball with the Golden State Warriors. There's multiple plays where you're going to run a pin down the time, we're going to switch it really quick. And there were some instances where Doka saw that they were getting caught up in bad spots. For example, I think it was the third quarter, he had both Robert Williams and Al Horford on the floor together, and Al Horford's guy comes over, runs a pin, down screen for Klay Thompson. Robert Williams is on Clay Thompson. Williams drops because he's a center. It's what he does. He thinks this is a traditional pick and roll. And Thompson flares out to the wing. He hits a three-point shot. All of a sudden, you go small. And now you just have one lone big, which Al Horford played a majority of those minutes. And it's a Grant Williams. It's a Marcus Smart. Uh, it's a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown. That's a really switchable matchup. So now you're running the pin down, and it's like, okay, that's fine. We're just going to switch that, and you got a body on Klay Thompson. Oh, you're going to run dribble handoff? We're going to switch that, and we got a body on Steph Curry. Are you going to cut to the basket off of a screen? We're going to switch that, and we have a body on the cutter. And so to me, like when you're talking about that, I'd be fascinated to see what Udoka does when it comes to his personnel starting this game. But you know, at some point, if he starts his traditional starting five, that he's going to bust out a single big lineup, and that's where you're going to start to see, I think, the Celtics start to put their imprint on this game defensively because it worked out so well for them in that. First game. Okay, that's JVT on the Celtics. When we come back, I want to talk about it from
3: the Warriors' perspective if they're going to bounce back. You know, we talk about how this is JVT, the third iteration of this kind of dynastic mm-hmm. run for the Warriors. The one thing I'll say, Draymond Green, the turnovers have to be maddening for Warrior fans because he just whips those passes on the cuts yeah. so, so sloppily to a point where I understand
5: how great he is defensively, but offensively, he's become really a liability. Well, Patrick, they they finished 29th in offensive turnover rate in the regular season. Yeah. And it's a it's a lot of those like yeah, I can fit that in there. Yeah. And it's not just Draymond either. You know what I mean? Like they're all doing that. And and it's a symptom of my like a lot of ball movement, which is what they have as well. But you're right. Like there's a lot of unforced errors when it comes to those turnovers, and there are certain teams that make them that can make them pay for that. And the Celtics aren't like a great, like, grab it, you know, grab a steal and then get out and transition and run. But for a team like Boston, it's just about stopping a possession. It's it's getting a possession out from underneath the Golden State wall Warriors and winning that battle and those turnovers, they're going to kill them. They're not going to make you pay and transition. A lot of the times they can, but it's more about ending a possession and getting the ball back yourself.
6: Well, before we go to break real quick, JVT, your view on where is smart watching him from the season
5: to where he is now health wise. I think he seems fine, but and you know what's interesting, Michael, is in that fourth quarter he didn't get on the floor mm. until a three-minute mark left, and they had the lead. So I, I think and he it made two good. key shots. Yep, it, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's more about Williams and his knee than than Marcus Smart in his foot and ankle.
3: Okay, so we learned. Given two days, JVT is still very bullish on his Celtics, and we learn the Von Tobel family yes. set the scene for Bugsy Siegel. That's what we learned in segment one with JVT. What will we learn for Warrior backers coming back as they try to adjust game two NBA Finals?
1: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
4: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, VSIN contributor Jeff Siegel coming off a winning Preakness pick. And now you can get 25 bucks free. Uh, to bet and follow him in Saturday's Belmont Stakes. All you have to do is sign up for First Bet, the preferred horse racing app of VSIN. Go to VSIN.com slash horses for details on this exclusive offer for VSIN fans. That's VSIN.com slash horses. Use the promo code LVBELMONT. That's LVBELMONT for the promo code and then join Jeff in rooting for his pick on the final race in this year's Triple Crown. Lombardi line, Michael Lombardi. on Patrick Maher, Jonathan Von Tobel, and he was not playing. Shout... To Uncle Ed Von Tobel, one of the f- last of the first generation Las Vegas that passed away in 2010. Michael, his great uncle was born in Las Vegas in 1913. The Von Tobels run this joint is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Not bad. That, that is it's imp-
6: like the Von, what was the Von, Fla- what was the Von Trapp family in Switzerland? I mean, that's what we got here. I mean, it's the same thing, Right. <laughs>
3: Nineteen thirteen, like I'm guessing the cosmopolitan wasn't around, was it, or circa? <laughs>
5: no, but they, uh, I think it was at the there's like there were a couple locations, but the what the von tobels back in the day were known for was like a Home Depot before Home Depot, there were lumber yards. Uh, so there was like a bunch of them around town. There was one where they think the golden nugget used to be downtown uh, one down on like Mah- uh, Sahara, Maryland parkway. Uh, there's also a community center, Bontobo community center. This so, is, so I, I love, it I, I'm going to read all about this later. Hey, uncle Ed, <laughs> let's be real. Had a good run. 96.
3: Yep. It's like your father. It's like barbershop. Mike, barbershop, he's got the good blood. Good. You got good blood doing good. Yeah. <laughs> doing good. You gotta love it. If, uh, if the warriors are going to adjust here and I, I, uh, it would not be uh, bullish if I had a futures ticket on the warriors right now, the four, uh, four and a half and we'll get your official play coming up in just a little bit. Um, but let's just say you're coming from, and they, uh, he adjusts Kerr adjusts. We know this. Mm-hmm. They're going to adjust here. Game two. What are those adjustments for the
5: warriors? I think if it starts defensively, right. And I, I think Patrick, what you're trying to do is maybe you're throwing, maybe you're throwing out a little bit more zone. You're trying to cut off a uh, cut off like dribble penetration a little bit more. Um, but the problem is like, I think what you want to do at the end of the day is stay home a little bit more, right? When you saw multiple times when guys were getting beat off dribble penetration, they're drawing help defenders, all that stuff. Then the ball gets kicked in the rotation and then you get those wide open looks. You know, Peyton Pritchard, one of the two threes that he hit, it came in transition because you saw Jason Tatum attract two different defenders. Then you had Otto Porter Jr. floating out in space looking to cover two guys. And what happens? Peyton Pritchard just drifts out to the corner. He's wide open. Tatum dribble penetrates, kicks it across the baseline. It's a wide open three. So at some point you have to Limit dribble penetration and stay home on shooters. The problem with that, that I think it is at least, is how are you doing that? Because, like Clay Thompson, for example, I pulled a video clip, we're going to play it on the show later today, where he talks about, like, I have to be a better defender. Opponent shot seven to 10 with Clayton Thompson as a primary defender. And you can say that you have to be a better defender, but if you're a step slower and you're giving up dribble penetration and your other defenders are forced to come over and help, it's great that you say you have to be a better defender, but can you physically be a better defender when you're getting beat on dribble penetration? And so that's why I'm a little tepid in terms of what you're talking about for the warriors in the big picture here in this series. So I think that's where it starts, Patrick. It's how are you going to adjust defensively? What are you going to do to limit these guys getting to the hole and not even just finishing? but then kicking it out to the shooters that have killed you in, these, in this series so far.
6: Well, let's give Boston some credit, right? So when you break down Golden State's defense, they're in the top six in a lot of categories. But where mm-hmm. they're not in the top six, the only place they're not in the top six, actually in the bottom 20, they're 23rd in allowing in, in three-point accuracy at corner threes. How do you change that mentality? I mean, obviously, Idoku knew that. He put a guy in the corner, and it worked. Like, how does Kerr change that? Because when you look at them, for all threes, they're six in the NBA. Non corner threes, they're the second best team in the NBA. Yep.
5: The corner threes well, are and, and, 23rd. And, and, and Mike, Michael, that, that comes from how you play sometimes, too, right? Like, when you're talking right. about playing zone defense and, and, and some junk defenses that are out there, and let's say you, like, in the, take the Dallas series, for example part of the reason why they were giving so many wide-open threes up is they were sending two guys at Luka Doncic. Like, Steph Curry's really good at hedging. They would go after Steph. He would hedge real quick. You'd have two guys on Doncic. And all of a sudden, Doncic would kick it out to a Jalen Brunson or somebody else. And you'd get a wide-open attempt, but it would be from, like, the right guy, as you want to call it, right? You don't want Doncic taking that shot. You want somebody else taking that shot. The problem with playing a style like that is, and you saw some of that against Boston in game one, well, it's it's not Reggie Bullock taking those shots anymore. It is not Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah. who, in both of these guys are solid three-point shooters, but it's not those guys taking those shots anymore. Now it's Marcus Smart. Now it's Jalen Brown. Now it's Peyton Pritchard. Now it's Al Horford, and those guys are better players. They're a little bit more consistent in terms of their three-point shooting, and Boston has done this now. Since the beginning of January, this has been a team that is ranked in the top five in three-point frequency. If you're going to give them attempts, they are going to take attempts. And so that's why I wonder, like, in terms of how you're doing this, if you're the Golden State Warriors, what your adjustments are going to be because you've been playing this style for a while now. And it's, you know, it's it's not as extreme, but it's asking in football, like, if you're a primary zone defense and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, man, we're getting cooked. we got to go man. And, like, it's, it's a little bit easier said than done when your bodies and schemes are built to play one style. A lot of historical numbers point to this game
3: two going under, yet we closed 214 in game one, JVT, and we're sitting 215, a couple 215 and a halfs out there. Are you surprised? And I got the percentages 70% to the over as far as BetMGM reporting. Are you surprised we've seen this number jump up a little
5: bit here? I'm not entirely surprised, Patrick. Like when I wrote about it for game one, the opener of two ten and a half was pretty low. Like that probably shouldn't a little bit higher. We, we saw the game go over the total, uh, but now for this one, and at, with the data now that we see from game one, it's a really slow paced game it, it, by cleaning the glasses standards, it only had about 93 possessions, but the efficiency was really good. And we know it was really good for Boston, especially in that fourth quarter. So I, I tend to look at this when you're talking about five, five and a half points off of the open for game one to where we're at now, I, I would think, tend that this is going to be a lower scoring game than when we saw it. Again, we got a slow possession game, so it's probably going to be the same case here. I'm going to assume rightfully so that the Celtics are not going to shoot at a clip that they did. So that dips into the efficiency a little bit while keeping up their intensity defensively. So I think this is going to be a tighter game and I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So it's not surprising to see, you know, the public betting hand over fist bet this thing over the total after what happened in game one. But if you look at the underlying numbers and realize what could potentially happen in this series, especially in game two, I think you're going to look to go under the total here and you're getting about five points off from the first number
6: how about a player prop do you like the Tatum over since he was so bad in the first game Hor- Hor- Horford under and then Clay seems to bounce back in these
5: situations do you like his number over so starting with Clay Michael I, like i i don't but it's only because Thompson and this means that he could like totally eclipse this He's had a lot of peaks and valleys in this postseason, and I think part of it is just a guy who's working his way back from two very major injuries, and this is like a long time the first time around, right, coming back from those injuries, and so you see games in which he closes out Dallas with 30 points and is incredible in that game, but prior to that, he scored 12 in the last game in Dallas and was extremely inefficient. And so when when I'm talking about betting Klay Thompson props over, I think they're always shaded a little bit higher than they should be. And you're just getting a really boomer bust nature from clay. So sure he could eclipse that and play extremely well and you won't have to sweat it. But for me, when you're talking about the probability of that happening and the prices that you're paying and where that number is at, I I would tend to look under with a guy like Thompson. And as far as Tatum's concerned, those prices like these superstars totals are always going to be higher than they should be. But I will say this in the case for playing this over I think you're going to see more of an effort to put just one-on-one matchups with the Tatum, you know, allowing other, you staying at home, not allowing those three-point shots. Thus, guys are going to have to score in isolation a little bit more, which would mean Tatum would probably have to score in isolation a little bit more. And I think he's probably going to shoot better than he did uh, in game one, which he missed a lot of wide open attempts too. So I, I think that's the case for the over. Like out of those two, I think I'd rather play that thing over the total with Tatum than I would over with Clay.
3: Tatum 26 and a half, Clay sitting 19 and a half for his points prop. Uh, So there you have it. Okay. Got two and a half left here with JVT. So we, we waited and it sounds to me like you're going to take the four and a half in Boston. Is that fair?
5: Yeah, it is. And I did. And because here's the thing, Patrick, like I'm, I'm big on numbers. and, And when you talk about game one and that number closing three and a half home court in the postseason has been worth three and a half points. So that number would tell you that these two teams are equal by my numbers. I come into this series thinking that Boston is the better team. So at three and a half, I played it in game one. That was a valuable number. I made it much closer to two than I did to that three and a half. Now the market, because it's a bounce back spot, because you gotta be desperate because they have to (laughs) win it. All of a sudden the warriors are a point better than what they were in game one, despite the fact that they lost that game outright. So for me, it is the right play regardless of result to take Boston plus four and a half here. The Warriors did not get a point better between games one and game two. Gary Payton, the second coming back is not worth a full point to a point spread. So it's automatic play for me on Boston catching four and a half here. And you can't talk me out of it. And even if they get blown up by 20, to me, it's the right play because this should not be up a point just because of the situation that the Warriors are in.
6: I think that's brilliant. I think this happens in football too often where we lose a bet and it, everybody thinks it was the dumb play. When it was the right play, it just didn't work out. Like, you just know it. Your handicap is correct, and sometimes, the, you know, the ball bounces in funny ways or the shooting percentage goes. I think you're right. JVT, before you go, you bet Boston in five. Is that what you did?
5: Yeah, I've got Boston and five at 950. I've got a future from the regular season as well that that I've got on the Celtics that I've been riding out for a while too. So I am loaded up on Celtics stuff.
3: Okay, regardless of the outcome, before tip-off tonight, pour one out for Uncle Ed Von Tobel. Before, well, the the game, be- before the game gets going, JVT, Hardwood Handicappers, of course, the Edge. Great analysis. Thank you for the half hour today. Thanks, we appreciate JVT, it. Thanks, JVT.
6: Appreciate you. Anytime, so guys. Much. Thank, Thank you. you.
3: And JVT going to be on the air tonight uh, getting ready for the game as well here on v Does a great job. Comes from – that sounded like me at the end where it's like, they got to bounce back.
6: You know what I well, mean? Like, you like, know, right. I, I think we get – we get so caught up in wins and losses and handicap and that it, it can deter us. I mean, you've got to make your stand. Look, we love Boston on this show since January. We, I just don't bet them. I just don't bet, but we've loved it. Yeah, 20, The number what, was 15-1 to one at one time, 20, right?
3: 26 and 26 at one point and just went on an right. absolute tear. And we caught that wave. We're coming back with Thomas Gable.
4: To the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, the VSIN summer special is here for $39. You get everything we have to offer through the end of July. The next few months obviously going to be busy, so let us take care of you. Adam Burks, daily Major League Baseball best bets. Jonathan Vatoble, you just heard from JBT all the way through the NBA finals. Annie McNeil, Stanley Cup playoffs. So, got NFL preseason coverage. You know, golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR. We got you covered. Point spread weekly as well included. com slash summer. Got you back here. Lombardi line on a Sunday. Game two NBA finals coming up tonight. Eight o'clock your time. So that's a reasonable tip, I think. Well, yeah. I think you would it's agree good. with that. That's a good yeah, one. No
6: doubt. You get a lot of work done today. You can watch it. You know, be fun. Yeah. Good. Th- Thomas good Gable. He-
3: Thomas Gable joins us now, of course, over at the Borgatti. He runs the race and sports book. He'll be booking this game. We'll well you have liability uh big time either way, Thomas, and good morning.
8: Uh good morning guys. Uh yeah, I right now it's all Warriors money here. It's uh all Warriors money. We haven't have moved off to four and a half. Um it seems like the market's kind of moving to that uh, right now it's a four and a half, so we we've been at four and a half. Uh total has come down uh for now it's at two fourteen and a half here. Uh we were at two fifteen and a half yesterday and that I guess is not real surprising because when you take a look at Game One, while well, Game One did go over, the pace of play wasn't particularly quick. Um, it was it was actually rather slow. Uh, just both teams were very efficient offensively, so um, I think this game probably. I would lean on on the under here in this one uh, just because you probably see um, uh, less efficiency uh, than we did in in game one. And if you're going to look at the same pace, which uh, I certainly would think the Celtics would look uh, to keep it around that same pace, uh, I think you have to lean on the under here.
6: Yeah, I don't disagree, Thomas, but what shocks me is, you know, I know there's a perception it's the bounce-back game, but when, when you look at the Warrior, when you look at Golden State and the Seas, uh, the Celtics, they're 7-1 and straight up in the last eight games against them. They're 8-0 against the spread, you know, so to me, they kind of match up, and I think that matchup, regardless of what happened in game one, kind of, I thought it would affect the betting market a little bit more.
8: I think um, it's, uh, if you're talking just strictly psychology here of the better and certainly the public better, uh, you know they're thinking that the Warriors can't go down uh, two games to none at home. Uh, so I would I would lean taking the the four and a half here with the Celtics, but I could certainly see why the public is thinking of the way that they are and, and backing them because. Believe me, um, the public is the ones that are, are betting the Warriors here in to four and laying the four-and-a-half.
3: I, I don't know if we talked to you about this. Did you at the Borgata there, Thomas? Did you have a futures liability on either the Celtics or Warriors before the season started?
8: Not before the season started. Um, we actually did take a – this was – I'm trying to think when this bet was made. I think it was probably – uh, somewhere around the start of the playoffs, uh, I believe um, somebody did uh, come in and um, put a big dumber down on the Warriors. Uh, this was let me go back to when that was. It was a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar wager on the Warriors to win the title. Uh, it was back on April twenty-first, April and 21st. it got three six Yeah, it got plus three sixty. Um, so obviously, that's a big. Uh, A big payoff there if um, if the Warriors win, but yeah, so we do have liability on the Warriors uh, overall to win the title, Um, but uh, nothing with the Celtics would be a pretty good result. They win the championship. One hundred and twenty-five
3: thousand at plus three hundred and sixty. So that better was feeling good, Michael Lombardi, going into the fourth quarter, up twelve with a future. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Like I mean, think about that. Think about that swing emotionally.
6: Yeah. I mean, do we know if Robert Williams, I know he's listed as questionable for the game, is is he going to be a scratch tonight, Patrick? I got, ga-
3: I got him as a game time decision and has has yeah. not budged. The way he show.
6: moved, I, I mean, the way he moved and the way they played without him, it, it, it kind of makes me think he may not go.
3: Yeah. And I think smart to your point that you asked JVT, I, I, he didn't have a noticeable limp and you know, also remember they've had two days in between as opposed to the one day, one game. So if Robert Williams is going to give it a go, I I don't literally hasn't budged from a GTD uh, so far here. Mr. Uh, New York Ranger himself, Thomas Gable is joining us and I bring that up because I think it's going to be a big price down in Tampa Bay tonight. Right? I I got one. I got a couple of one eighties, one seventy five ish as they try to bounce back here against your Rangers.
8: Yeah, 175 right now here uh, on the Lightning, and uh, obviously pretty much a must-win game uh, for the Lightning here. They don't want to go down 3-0 and find themselves in the same predicament that the Oilers now uh, find themselves in after last night. So, uh, you know, we saw on Friday night, we didn't take uh, as big of a loss on that game as uh, I kind of expected to, and you, You just kind of expect to hear uh, when the Rangers win a game because people were betting the Lightning. uh, I think they were riding that trend where the Lightning didn't lose two in a row. uh, Really in the playoffs, I think they had one 18 in a row off a loss going into that game. So uh, I I expect to see some Lightning money here again today uh, just because I I think you're going to see, again, people jump in here on the Lightning. say They can't go down 3-0, especially at home now. Um, we'll probably end up needing the Lightning, but I, I'm hoping we, it's not going to be a big decision for us uh, in this game like we saw on uh, on Friday night, similar to what we um, saw in that game.
6: You know, it's amazing. When you break down the game, the power play favors Tampa Bay. They have 11% of the time. They've had 33% power plays in their favor, where the Rangers only have had 16. In the 10 games that they played, the the, the, the record is, uh, you know, the Rangers are 6-3-1, and but uh, you know, the over-unders right at five and five. But to me, that seems a little, you know, if you're winning the power plays, how are you not winning the game?
8: Yeah, yeah. And and listen, uh, you know, Vasilevsky was playing out of his mind in the, in the last series. Uh, I think, um, you know, he's come back to the earth a little bit more here uh, in this series.
3: Yep, special. T- now, last night, I think you needed Colorado, and you got Colorado, so it was a good decision for you.
8: Yeah, that was a decent, uh, decent one. Not, not a big decision, but uh, yeah, it did go in our favor. So uh, we did win on that game, and Avalanche now installed as dollar uh, twenty five favorites there for game four coming up uh, tomorrow. But yeah, it's uh, so it's, it'll be a nice day here today with uh, the Rangers uh, Lightning game mid afternoon, three o'clock, and then uh, we got some some baseball before that. Uh, Mike Trout making his. Uh, Homecoming this weekend here in Philly, and Philly's going mm-hmm. for the sweep on them. So.
3: I don't think Mike Trout's had a hit in, what, 29 at-bats? It's been unbelievable. He's, uh, he's been in a hole, man. He's been struggling.
8: He's been struggling. Yeah. But uh, believe me, this, uh, the whole area in mean, South Jersey, you know, he's from Millville, and they always run bus trips to Citizens Bank Park when, uh, when they play uh, up they're there. They are it up. He'll yeah. have a ton of fans. It's-
6: it's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. And he still has property. I mean, a huge Eagle fan, too, to go with it. I yeah. mean, he is a South Jersey guy through and through. He, he definitely is. And um, the, so before
3: we say goodbye, the, the Boston, again, liability as far as futures, Golden State. Um, mm-hmm. But tonight, from what I read, the kind of the tea leaves there, you really like you're leaning under. Do you have a play on the side, Thomas Gable?
8: I would lean I would lean uh taking the four and a half here with the Celtics. I, I really would. I don't I don't think that um there there's really any reason um to say that this would be another point uh in favor of the Warriors just because they're down one zero. Um so I, I, I think three and a half probably is the correct number, so I'm gonna take the uh the four and a half with the Celtics if I were betting it. But people are laying the four and a half. I just want to make that clear. At least here, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of Warriors money here, and they are laying the four and a half. Yeah,
6: where where are you on the money line? The money line on on Patrick and Iceboard that we look at is like ninety three percent on the Warriors and only seven percent on the money line for the for the Celtics. Where are you on that one?
8: We're, we're probably very similar there, Michael. We're probably you know ninety four ninety five percent of the money line money is on the Warriors.
6: Yeah, like we, a good were, we were talking
3: too. during the break. Hey Celtic the Celtic backers are super adamant and they just so go ahead and play that plus one seventy. Forget about the four yeah. and a half. Go ahead and take the plus yeah. one side. It's a big price. Yeah. It's a big price. Thomas Gable, enjoy the day. Thomas, when on a Sunday, how many hours do you work there at the Borgata? Are you there for twelve straight hours?
6: More?
8: Uh only during football season. Only during football season am I here that long, uh, you know, twelve, thirteen hour days. But Sunday during the summer, no, I'm not. I'm not uh, I'll do maybe nine, nine and a half, ten.
3: So, next. will you be golfing today?
8: No. No, no no golf today. Okay. No golf today.
3: Okay, TG. That's our buddy, our partner, director but of Race. I like your
8: positive thinking. They,
3: well, I'm just trying to help out. Director of Race and Sportsbook there at the Borgata. He's the best. Uh, Thomas Cable. Thank, Gable. You, Thank TG. you, TG. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. He's in line with JVT. Uh, take the four and a half if you were to bet it. And the under 215, I got some historical data to support that under in games two, in game twos, including the Warriors bouncing back after a loss with unders. We, we got
6: to remember when Wes comes on in the next block, I want to ask him for a, an early U.S. Open pick.
3: Okay, let's do it. Wes Reynolds is going to join us next year on the Lombardi line presented by MGM. This is Sin the sports betting network.
2: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com/slash schedule release to learn more.
9: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a paper-tarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash
4: You're listening to the Lombardi line on TSN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Bet
3: MGM the King of Sportsbooks unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with Bet MGM Rewards. So every time you make a wager at BetMGM, MGM, you can earn Bet MGM reward points. You can redeem them for online bonus credits like free bets, risk-free tokens, and if you're planning on a trip here to Vegas, you can also convert your Bet MGM points into MGM reward points that you can use for dining, obviously shows, hotel rooms, and a like, make sure you check it out. It's a loyalty program, like your credit card. So get involved. Bet MGM, 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, plenty to do as we close out the Lombardi line. We've got your boy Femi and James Selena. So Selena Sunday, as he puts it, coming up right after us. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. We bring in our buddy and VEASAN host, Wes Reynolds. And, Michael, you wanted to start with Wes yeah. uh, about the U.S. Open there.
6: I'd like to because they're playing in such a historic course in Brookline, Massachusetts and the country club, they call it. So I kind of wanted to get a little bit. We're eight days away from the start of it. Right, Wes? I mean, that's kind of where we are. And so what do you is there anything you're looking for or do you like initially based on this course?
4: Yeah, uh, Michael, and uh, a very good question. And you're right, it is at Brookline just outside of Boston. So we are getting into, I think, more of like the classic U.S. Open design, you know, and I think of the U.S. Open predominantly courses in the northeast, tree line, pretty narrow fairways by tour standards and also very thick rough. And look, you're getting thick rough this week at the Memorial Tournament. Now, it's bothered most of the field, not necessarily Billy Horschel. He's got a five-shot lead at 13-under to start the day. But, you know, I am going to take a little bit uh, in terms of uh, from the Memorial Tournament. And once the tournament concludes this afternoon, I want to really look at the stats and look at all the metrics. I want to look at proximity uh, to the hole, especially proximity from the rough, because you're probably going to hit it into the thick open rough, at least a couple points uh, or at least a couple times over the next uh, two weeks. So that's what really I'm looking at. I, I don't have a lot of plays as of yet. I only have my Cameron Smith that I bet pretty much in every major this year that I did during the masters. And look, he was in the mix and still in the mix. He's only, he's five off the lead tied per second here. So he's the only one I have right now. And then over the next week, week and a half, I'll gradually add plays. But yeah, I am excited for the U.S. Open to kind of go back to one of those tree line, very narrow courses, because I like the U.S. Open. And it's my favorite major because it's hard. I like the fact right. that, hey, even pars a really good score at the U.S. Open. And that's what they try to make it be, the USGA.
6: And I like it because it brings so much history, Patrick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is a course in 1913. I think the Frenchman Francis, I'm probably going to mess up his name, Omet, uh, the amateur, won the, won the tournament. And, you know, we, there's that Disney movie, the greatest game ever played. Talk uh, it is a story about it. So, you know, when you can go back and it's Winkfoot, it's those old, like you said, Wes, those historic courses that have so much history, I think it just makes the, the tournament more compelling.
3: Yeah. No, I'm excited, as you as you two are as well. Laid it out, both of you, very well. 16th through the 19th U.S. Open. They're in Brookline, Massachusetts. I cannot wait for that. The... Game tonight. You've got three plays, and what I like about your three plays tonight, Wes, is they're a little different than others. And we'll just start with the side. You're going to lay the four with the Warriors. I stumped. I stumped them. You see what I did there, Michael?
6: Yeah, I saw it. We lost our man. You got me, Wes. You're
3: going to lay the four with the. I'm here, guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we lost the connection for a second. You're going to lay the. A lot are going Celtics. I like the fact that you're zagging a little bit here with the four and the Warriors.
4: Yeah, and I'll get to the total in a minute, which I like a little better than the side. But I do like Golden State, I think, on the bounce back. Keep in mind, you know, they they were pretty dominant through three quarters. And then I think, you know, the fourth quarter fell apart a little bit. Now, it was more than just Boston seemingly make every, every shot, because I do think that Golden State has a couple issues of concern. One of them, and we talked about it on Friday, was the – the Jordan Pool defense has got to be a little bit better. Uh, a couple things were that look, Clay Thompson had a bad night, didn't really give you a lot offensively. I think another thing that Golden State has to do, you can't play these lineups very often during the game where you have two non-shooters on the floor. Like you, you know, you're going to play Draymond just because of his passing ability, and he's the linchpin of your uh, of your team defense, but. When you play him, you realize, okay, we don't have a shooter here on the floor. So you can't necessarily play him with Kevin Looney all the time or Andre Iguodala. I thought Steve Kerr made a mistake and played too much Andre Iguodala in the fourth quarter, especially a guy that is just coming back from injury that hasn't played very much in the playoffs and a little bit too reliant. And I know that's what you do is you're going to rely on your veterans more than your young guys, but... Iguodala I don't know right now if you can necessarily play him in the fourth quarter and then if you look and you want to go into kind of a trend on the side going back about 20 years it's about 58% game one losers as a home favorite in game two so look. In in, in in a sports betting where the edges are narrow, you'll take fifty eight percent every time. And then Steve Kerr, pretty good off the of playoff, loss, sixteen and eight against the number eleven and six as a home favorite against the number off a loss. So I do like Golden State. I think that they're gonna bounce back here now. They're they're in for a series. I think that this is gonna go the distance. I know Michael said that when we talked on Friday, and I absolutely agree.
3: Yeah, I do too. I think we're looking at potentially a seven-game series. The under, so this is what you prefer. You can find a a 215.5. You're going to go under here, Wes?
4: Yeah, I I think so. I think that this is the right play because if you really look at the pace of game one, and that's oftentimes what I think you have to do when you're really looking at totals, uh, the pace really wasn't that fast. I think it was like 93 possessions. So, you know, that doesn't indicate that Okay, that this was just an up and down game. It seemed like it was because you had these teams almost combined for 23s. Celtics hit 21 of them in their own right. And they were guys that don't really shoot a lot of threes like Al Horford, who the Golden State Warriors gave absolutely no respect to. That's probably got to change at least a little bit when he steps out on that pick and roll or just kind of slips out there on the wing for a three. You got to be able to get a hand in his face and at least contest the shot. So, I got to think you're going to see a little bit of the efficiency uh, dip in terms of the shooting percentages and whatnot, especially what you saw in the fourth quarter. So I think two fifteen and a half is a little bit of an adjustment because keep in mind in game one, pre, you know, pre-flop when the series was finalized and when these books first put out the, uh, the uh, opening number, it was two ten and a half. And it closed like 214, 214 and a half. And it goes over in game one. So then you get a little bit of a tax, a little bit of an adjustment for game two. So 215 and a half looked a little rich for me. I'm going under.
6: Yeah. What And what props do you like? Do you like Tatum bouncing back? Do you like Corford going under? What do you, Klay Thompson over? What are you thinking there?
4: Well, I'll mention Tatum because one of the things you're going to see, and I think you're still going to see it, is that Golden State is going to sell out to stop Jason. Hate him driving to the basket and they really did that uh, you know fairly well and fairly effectively I think it was a uh, 12 points and, uh, th- and 13 rebounds he had Tatum did not shoot the ball very well so I think Golden State is gonna try to uh, go ahead and stop Jason Tatum and really sell out so I'd be staying away from his overs but one prop I did play that I won on in game one and I'm gonna keep playing it until it loses is Andrew Wiggins combined points and rebounds over 22 and a half paying a little bit more vig than he did in game one because he did go over the prop and I just think Wiggins in terms of individually he's gonna have big numbers and the Celtics I think maybe are willing to live with that because if you look Andrew Wiggins when the Celtics switch on that pick and roll that leaves the wing and that leaves the corner open so you're gonna get Wiggins with a lot of open corner threes and you're gonna get Wiggins with a wide open lane to drive to the basket for cuts because That's the way to, uh, I think, counteract the switching of the defense is to cut to the basket. So Andrew Wiggins, uh, you know, I think there's going to be enough long balls and enough three opportunities from the corner for him to get. He only played or he played less than 35 minutes in game one and still went over this prop. So you gotta think there's going to be a time where Wiggins is going to have to play like step minutes where he's going to have to play 40 minutes. So I think this number is going to rise a little bit here in game two. So I like over 22 and a half points and rebounds combined for Wiggins.
3: I love that one. And you're hundred percent right with the cutting. He is their main cutter and Wiggins, as you mentioned, just 34 minutes in game one, 20 points. Five boards, so he goes 25. The total for points and rebounds set at 22 and a half. And Wes Reynolds likes the over for Andrew Wiggins. Wes, great job, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy Thank your you Sunday.
6: Thank so Wes. Appreciate you. You, Thank bet, you guys. Have a good day.
3: I do, I do like that one, too. 22 and a half for Wiggins. He keeps clearing it. He's important. We've said it. Yeah. You know, There's going to be a Wiggins game, and there's going to be offensively. There's got to be a pool game at some point in the right. series because somebody's got to help Steph out here.
6: No doubt. And, you know, the thing is, I, my instincts tell me Golden State tonight, uh, but that my instincts, I don't want to be on the side of the public. So I, I, I like Boston. I think it's an underplay. I really do. But I do like Golden State in the first half. I think whatever that number is, I do like. I think Golden State will come out hot. I think they'll play well in the first half.
3: They're laying two and a half in the first half. Michael Lombardi. I like take, it. Take Golden State in that first half. Yeah, the vibes, the vibes say Golden State, but all the numbers look like they're pointing to Boston. Enjoy it, Neston, Marquis, thank you. Michael, have a great Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Okay, Femi and James next.